So we talked a little about the Eagles and, and Ertz reengaging in talks. How, how are we affording Ertz? That's the, that, I mean, you guys aren't paid to do that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, so, so their motivation, they, they actually, the Eagles made a significant offer last December. And Ertz turned it down. Uh, he, was, he was not comfortable with the structure, which was very team friendly. Uh, they've been talking for at least the last two weeks. Uh, we, we reported back at the combine that the Eagles were not going to get a deal done. Uh, both sides were going to wait to see uh, the numbers come in for George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And that came in. And it's going to be hard to do this deal because. All right, we got a big one. We're joined here by Jeff Mosher and Adam Kaplan, both co-hosts of Inside the Birds, both NFL insiders. Guys, thanks for joining us. Really no problem. Glad to be here. First question I want to ask you guys, what is, what's it take to be like an insider? Like when do you become an insider? Do you bring a couple stories or is it just like a title? Like what, 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 makes, what makes you an unofficial insider? Is there initiation? When you get lied to by your first agent, okay. uh, that's when you officially, no, when you discover that the agent is lying to you and you don't go with what they say is when you officially know that you are an insider, right? Yeah, so the no, uh, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, I know, you know, Adam, even more so than me. I mean, to me, it's about going beyond just getting the quotes from the players and the coaches that you get just by showing up, right? Anybody can show up. Adam knows anybody can write the daily notebook, the daily story, because so-and-so said this in the locker room and this coach said that, or this GM that said that it's, it's getting and making the connections of people who will give you honest assessments of what's going on with what you cover and be able to build that relationship where they know they can trust you and you're not going to give them up as a source. And that, you know, in turn, you're going to get accurate information and you're not going to get lied to, which not saying it doesn't happen, but Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a, Adam, I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like it's a multi-step process. It's, it is. You know, there, there's no one set definition of being an insider. No, Jeff's right. Like I, I had no interest in being a beat reporter. Just Jeff encapsulated my thoughts entirely. I don't want to hold a mic and just stick it in front of uh, coaches or players face. Jeff, Jeff said it very well. Anyone can do that. I've no offense to anyone who does it. I've done it before, but not as a beat reporter, just as a reporter. And it just didn't, had no juice to me. So I wanted, the reason why I became a reporter is because I wanted to know why. Why did th- things happen? Uh, what, growing up in Philadelphia, I felt in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up, really the 80s, I was a really young kid in the 70s, but in the 80s, there were a lot of great sports writers, but I was not learning the game. So I was going to find out how, to, how a game, the, the game plan was put together. Uh, why do they call that play? Why do they draft that player? Particularly here in Philly uh, in the 80s, uh, when Buddy Ryan came in, I want to know why they weren't that good. I mean, they, they, were, they were fun. We, they loved defense in this town, but he never won a playoff game. I want to know why. But as Jeff said, anyone could get quotes. Tell me why. So I always had the thirst for knowledge. And throughout the 90s and, and early 2000s, before I became a reporter, when I, was in a, when I was in a different occupation, I never lost faith in, in wanting to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, you got to support yourself. And I had to support myself throughout my 20s, and then um, 
once I figured out, okay, it's either now or never, as I told my wife uh, in the early 2000s, I got to do this. And mm -hmm. um, you asked why an insider, or how do you become an insider? Or basically, you know, what initiates you into being an insider? Yeah, so, so I, would, I would turn the page to the next step is you make a decision to be a reporter. Uh, I didn't set out to be an insider. I've never liked that term. Mm -hmm. I, I stopped fighting it. I just thought it's just, I'm a reporter. You know, that, that's, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I think Savant. sometimes it's, I appreciate well, I, it, I think, me. I appreciate it, but I, 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 I don't quite know what that means other than you seem to know something that other people don't. Yeah. Well, it's um, been a co-opted title, right? I mean, uh, th right. there are people who are called insiders that, just simply give oh, you their not. opinion on things. So, yeah, exactly. And that's, right. that's Jeff gave a great description. There's a new thing in our in the reporting business. People are called insiders, but they're really not because they don't they don't do any real reporting. They just give their opinion. I mean, we all give opinion, but the fact of the matter is, someone gave you that opinion, and sometimes they give you stuff. Jeff was alluding to this when when, when agents get pissed off, whether you get it from an agent or or the team, you're getting stuff sometimes that maybe the team doesn't want to put out there. Yeah. And that's more inside. Uh, Jeff and I were are really known for our inside information when it comes to the Eagles. And when I recruited Jeff to be on inside the birds with my friend, Bill Osborne, there was no one else I thought of. It was either he or I didn't do the show. As simple mm -hmm. as that. Cause he spoke my language. Well, you never yep. saw my resume. So what's that? <laughs> well, you never <laughs> so got just... to see my resume. So <laughs> well, I never met you before. Yeah, so well, I, I mean, know. I, you know, that's on me. I, I think guess. Well, when Adam and I pass on and die, you guys can just okay. take take us Perfect. We'll, we'll hey, Thanks for bringing that up, Jeff. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. We get the IP. Okay, that's fine. You hear it here first. That's go. a, All right. a that's, verbal agreement right that's there. That's a verbal contract. Um, um, do, you, do you guys remember any news that you like worked your ass off the break that like is one of the most memorable ones of your career? My, my biggest one for, until I would – my first big one, and Jeff doesn't know this. I don't think I've told him this. I didn't mean to do this. <laughs> He's breaking it right Michael now. Bar Michael yeah. Barkamp put me on the spot. It was 2004. Terrell Owens broke and dislocated his ankle. Mm. And I had the information. I had the doctor's report. And I also knew that he was going to play in the Super Bowl. But I tried to hold the story. And when you – this show was called Daily News Live. It would be on oh, yeah. Comcast Sportsnet. Philly. Oh, yeah. It would be called Philly Sports Talk. I was on that show for nearly 20 years. So Michael goes – Okay, we're going to ask you about Owens next. I'm like, great. But I didn't ask. He, he didn't tell me what he was going to ask me. So and most of the time, they don't tell you what they're going to ask you, which is fine. So Michael puts me on the spot. He goes, do you think Owens will play in the Super Bowl? And I'm like, I had to think fast. I was like, Jesus Christ, what am I going to say? Yeah. So I go, you know what, Michael? He's going to play in the Super Bowl. Huh? And he, he goes, are you sure about that? I said, yeah, I'm sure about that. Because my sourcing was on this was about as good as it gets. Um, I'll never go into, you know, I'll never reveal yeah. source, but it, it was one of these things. God forbid that I was wrong. First of all, I didn't realize that they were going to lead off my reporting on sports night was their new show. And this is before text messaging. I mean, people can email you or call you on your cell phone, but I didn't think anything of it. And then the next morning I got all these emails and then the daily news quoted me and I don't know where else. And I was like, wow, okay, this is interesting. I, I learned a new lesson. Make sure you know what you're going to be talking about and make sure you're willing to report it. Uh, before it happened. So that was a good learning lesson for me. But that was a big story because he wound up playing the Super Bowl. What I did say then, though, to finish this off, I didn't say how much he'd play. I said he would play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's why it's very important to get people's quote, uh, reporting right. Jeff knows my pet peeve with bloggers. I'm a former blogger, so I'll, I'll, I'll mention it. I, I really have a problem with it when people don't quote me correctly and they try to think 
and try to analyze what they think I said. What I always tell guys, email me, or if you follow me, direct message me, and I'll explain it to you better. But please get it right. I was going to say, I'll pay each one of you $100, both of you hosts, if you misquote Adam in a tweet tomorrow, just well, to really get under his skin. <laughs> I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to just follow you meticulously, and I'm going to start a new <laughs> blog series, What Does Adam Kaplan Really Mean? Yeah, I'm just going to infer. That. That is I'm just going to infer that is what hilarious. You, I think you mean. Oh, Jalen Rager looks really good at practice today. Like Adam Kaplan thinks Jalen Rager is going to be rookie of the year and MVP. Oh, right, right, right. right. (laughs) I'm just going to take you to the next level or just cut you down. That's the kind of, but honestly, that's the kind of stuff that would happen. I would blow it off at first, but it got to be so egregious that I'd have to go after these bloggers. I'd say, dude, what, like, where did I say this? They were doing mostly uh, Joe DeCaro and I hosted a show at 97.5 The Fanatic for three years. And at 15, Chip Kelly's last year, which is the train wreck year, mm-hmm. I put a lot of stuff out, and uh, it was cool. It was very flattering. My friend Matt Lombardo k- kicked ass with, with blogging my show, but uh, it's all about the clicks, Adam. Clicks. I loved it, man. It really helped. I'll be honest with you. It, it it actually was very good. But it was the young kid bloggers in high school that didn't understand reporting. So, but look, Jeff knows we're, we've been through a lot in our careers. Uh, it's about getting it right. I don't need to be first. I need to be right. And that, I'll live and die by that motto forever. Is it the two source? The two, you need two sources before you run the story? No, no, it depends on the story. If you're my source, I don't need to go any further. Hmm. If I don't know you very well, and it's the first or second time I'm using you, I'm probably going to get somebody else. Uh, there's a story that I've been sit, sitting on. It's not on the Eagles. Do you want to... Um, that a team put out <laughs> about an injury. He wants you to say it right now. I mean, I'm going to give an example about reporting. Uh-huh. There's a, there's a there's an injury out there for a prominent player that a team I'm certain got it wrong. Ezekiel Elliott. No, okay. no. Oh, sorry. but what happened was he has two. <laughs> this player has two injuries. Okay. Because I have the one, and then he has another one, which the team confirmed. But I almost put it out with the with my and I, and I didn't know it that he had a second injury, and I would have gotten it wrong. Uh, I will tell. I would have gotten it right, but. I would have. I would have been. You wouldn't like, have had the whole story. Yeah, I wouldn't have. No, right. So yeah. anyway, that that's just being thorough. And Jeff and I know it's. Um, Jeff was alluding to it when you when he was talking about reporting. It, it's not easy, man. When you um. When you're competing against a lot of people and you want to get stuff confirmed, sometimes people don't want to tell you. As Jeff was alluding to, it's a "What have you done for me now?" kind of industry that you guys are in. It's like you can get you can get a ninety nine right the the hundredth one. It's like all right, we're all over Kaplan's ass today. Yes, that is absolutely true. And it's funny, like the two source thing is, is what you learn in school, if you go to journalism school, and it's, it's still important. Adam's right. There are certain facts that if one person who would know tells you and you trust that person, and, and then you can go with it. But I would say there are certain things that I've reported on in my career where I wanted more than two sources because it might be sensitive material. It might be a story that you thought that turns out to be even deeper and more layers to it. And you have to go and and uh, you know, get more information than you do when you find out, yes, your two sources were right, but your source number three and four were able to provide a whole lot more context that you ordinarily wouldn't have been able to have um, if, you did, if you just took it at two and I'm gonna run with it. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do, you have a, do you have a breaking news that you, um, that you remember? Yeah, I mean, I think my first big breaking news story when I was, uh, and, and context matters for me, like mm-hmm. I was at the Wilmington News Journal, that's where oh. I started off my, my Eagles career in Delaware. And, um, you know, prior to me being the Eagles writer there, it was kind of known for, you know, they they would, it was a story in a notebook beat. 
you go up, you show up, you get your, you know, it wasn't very competitive as far as breaking news with the Inquirer or the Daily News. And um, uh, that wasn't good for me. I wanted to be as competitive as anybody. It killed me. I mean, this is the days of the newspaper where if somebody had a story and no one, you know, no one's on the internet really, then they had it all day long and you had to, and if you didn't have it, you felt awful all day long because you're trying to work to get it. And, you know, nobody really taught me how to, to source and network. I kind of had to learn some of that myself, but what happened was Jason Peters, I think in 2000, uh 11 is that where he tore his achilles i, I don't even remember anymore he, he tore his achilles twice actually in the mm-hmm. same year um but the first time i found i broke the story about his first achilles tear and i did it because what happened was uh, they had a backup offensive lineman named king dunlap at the time and all <laughs> no, of a sudden yeah, out of nowhere king. you remember kinger yeah oh out of yeah nowhere, He's a free agent, and out of nowhere, they re-signed him to a contract. It was only a one-year deal, but it was a lot of money for a backup offensive tackle. And I said, that, that just seems really strange. So I reached out to a few people uh, that I was connected with, and that's when I started to hear, well, it's, there's more to this. You got to look into Jason Peters, and I started to hear through the grapevine that he was hurt. Uh, and then, you know, so I did my homework, and I called enough people, and it turns out he had torn his Achilles. That's why they signed King Dunlap to that that contract. So um, that was my, that was my first big breaking story that not a lot of people would have expected Wilmington news journal to have a something yeah. breaking about, you know, that of a caliber of that player. You probably got a lot of people in trouble that day in the daily news and the inquirer rocker is being like, who's this guy in the Wilmington news journal breaking this stuff right well, now. Well, it, it's funny because when you're, <laughs> it's funny you say that I had another story once about Deshaun Jackson getting yelled at in the locker room by Andy Reid. I broke that story. That might've been actually my first one in 09 or, so I forget what year, but it was against the Bears. It was on the road, and uh, I found out that he got chewed out by Andy Reid. You know, he was going through his contract thing. He was on the phone all the time. It was really, you know, and I noticed that Vic was mad at him in the locker room and that he was mad. So hmm. I, I broke this story, and the next day I'm driving home from the airport. I fly back in, and I'm listening to another beat writer on WIP who's more prominent than me at the time, and they're asking him, about what happened and he doesn't have he didn't break the story mm-hmm. i broke the story they didn't call me they called this other beat writer because i guess at that point he's supposed to be dialed into everything and they're asking him all these questions and he's like kind of giving happenstance answers trying to give context but he doesn't know the whole story like i do because i broke the story so did, did so they credit, credit you, you know did they credit no, you on the not really Yes, yes, but you know what? The way they talked about it is if they didn't believe my story was accurate because I oh, wasn't. They, they tried to point it out. Well, there's always arguments in the locker room where the coach always chews somebody out. They tried to spin it as if this wasn't kind of a big deal. But if somebody from the Inquirer or Daily News had broken it first, they would have said, oh, my God, this is the biggest deal. That's just part of getting – like, I'm not bitter. I don't want to sound bitter. I'm just saying, <laughs> showing you what it's like when you're, when you're coming up and you're a little low on the totem pole and how you're looked at in that regard. Well, it's doggy dog out there, but let's not let's not pass on this King Dunlap story. I just want to have you guys. I want to have you guys power rank something for me. Can you power rank uh, backup offensive linemen, offensive tackles for the Eagles? Um, let's go, Winston Justice, King Dunlap, and and Vitae. Who? Where do we go? Let's power rank. Them. Oh, you Vitae's gotta go with Vitae, right? Yeah, Vitae's won, right? He won a Super Bowl. So now, however, down King to Dunlap Winston Justice versus Dunlap. King Dunlap went to the Chargers and signed an enormous contract there for a couple of years. So, although Vitae just did that too with the Lions, that, that's tough, Adam. I mean, maybe you go with, with Dunlap. I mean, he signed a pretty big deal for the Chargers. Yeah, he, he was a, a good – look, later. the guy was, what, a seventh-round pick. He was a pretty good story. 
Yeah. Uh, but Vitae, Jeff, nine and a half million a year, up to 10 million if he has 80% snaps throughout his career. That's insane. Right. We're talking about Vitae. Right. Big, I mean, big. it's, the, it's really? the Detroit Lions. They're not very good at front office moves in general. So, <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he had four teams on him. It's, I don't, maybe the state of tackles in the National Football League isn't great because he had a lot of interest in free agency. Yeah. I never actually fully understood the hate on him. I know he had bad games, but I thought for the most part he was a very serviceable backup tackle in the offensive. Well, in 17, he was a godsend filling in well, for yeah. years. I've, so, I'm done trying to understand. Like, for example, just right today, you know, people are talking about Zach Ertz and a contract and whether you should sign him or move on. And it, it's mind-boggling to me. And I don't go by Twitter as if this is like the whole public sentiment, but you see things on Twitter or social media. It's mind boggling to me that the Super Bowl that was so important for Eagles fans for 52 years and that the guy who catches the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl is now, according to a subset of the Eagles fan base, a guy that that's fine. You can move on. Then we had Dallas Goddard. I'm like, are well, you serious? It's pro football <laughs> folks' fault because they rated Dallas yeah. higher than him. <laughs> And they were like, well, let's not account that, that Zach Ertz was game-planned and double-teamed most This of was Collingsworth's plan the whole time because he couldn't figure out if it was a catch. He's like, I know what I'll do. I'll rank Goddard ahead of Ertz and then make the Philly fans angry at, you know, Ertz, <laughs> not really me. Funny. Gary Jones has an that. investment in PFF. You cannot. Yeah, he definitely does. I know he does. But let's say I become, you know, like the next, who knows, maybe I'm like the next Reuben Frank, right? Am I not going to care as much? You mean you will definitely not of, get, You mean if are, are you going to be? More I, I won't be as to, invested in the winning and losing of the team. The personal connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You stop. Because I'm a fan of the game. I don't care who wins and loses. It's completely irrelevant. Now, does it help Jeff and I in our in our pod when the Eagles are good? Sure, no question. There's no question that the Eagles, being exciting as they are, help us. But I root for coaches and executives. I I know, and I hope they don't get fired. I, I it doesn't matter to me who wins or loses. I. It's a great question, and I'll tell you what, it was the most disappointing thing And back in the early 2000s when I started covering the league full-time. I'm like, wow, I don't seem to care about the Eagles anymore. I hmm. care about them because they're here to, to a certain extent, but I could live anywhere and do my job. I don't need – I could live in California. It doesn't really matter. I just happen to be here because I grew up here. So, yeah, I, I, you do. It's a great question, and it's something I've rarely talked about. But, Jeff, I don't know about you growing up, but um, – once you once you be, once you cover a, a sport full time, you just can't be a fan for it's, for professional it's, reasons it's, and personal yeah. reasons. Really. Also, it's work. You know, so, yeah, sometimes it's work. sometimes I like and it. Sorry to interrupt, pal. I was right. going to say, yeah. You know, I love Taco Bell. I really do. Well, when okay. I was a kid, I, I barely eat it anymore. But I loved going to Taco Bell. But I guarantee, you, if I worked there and put my life into working at a Taco Bell, I'd probably never eat it because you yeah. see how it's all made. And sometimes you get very, you know, whether you're covering the Eagles or any other team that has its share of, you know, ills or whatever going on. And pretty much every team does. You kind of see like the inner workings and, and the fan stuff gets sucked out, sucked out of you. You, it, you know, it's almost like working at the sausage factory. Now you don't want to eat mm -hmm. sausage for the rest of your life. But I will say that I think, and I, I, I feel like Adam's this way too, because we always joke when Adam gets, starts cursing on the podcast you know he's, you know he's passionate about something i haven't done it in two months but i need to i know i know we got to get you back but uh we're you can very curse on passionate. our podcast we're passionate about football we're passionate about the research that we do the trends that we unearth you know the, the not just the reporting but the way the game changes the way it evolves the way we learn from talking to people how th certain things are done and, and philosophies and 
And that is the beauty of covering the NFL. I mean, there's so many different people involved and everybody's got a little bit that they can impart on you. And you become like your own encyclopedia and you get really passionate about maybe the concepts that you really cling to and believe in. And then some of the things that you disagree with that teams might employ. And that's the cool part about it. It's like really you get passionate about your craft. So we talked a little about the Eagles and and Ertz re-engaging in talks. How, How are we affording Ertz? That's the, that, I mean, you guys aren't paid to do that. Don't get me wrong. But no, I mean, no. I mean, the, look, it's, you know, sometimes you have to rob Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Adam and I talked about this on the last pod and we'll probably talk about it a little more on the next one, but you know, everything is an allotment. So you, if you're a, a team that plays two tight end formations a lot, like the Eagles do, well then your valuation of tight ends is going to be more than a team that only plays one tight end a lot. And if the Eagles only have a couple of, let's say next year, the Eagles have moved on from Alshon and maybe even Deshaun, who knows, and you really only got your wide receivers or guys on rookie contracts, right? Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. So you're not invested at wide receiver the way almost every other team in the NFL is because wide receivers get paid a lot of money, especially good ones. So that enables you to maybe put that money somewhere else like tight end. So it's just, just all on how you kind of move your money around and how you build your team. That being said, it's still it'll be very difficult to pay Zach Ertz and Goddard. Yeah, yeah. So, so their motivation they they actually the Eagles made a significant offer last December, and Ertz turned it down. Uh, he was he was not comfortable with the structure, which was very team friendly. Uh, they've been talking for at least the last two weeks. Uh, we we reported back at the combine that the Eagles were not going to get a deal done. Uh, both sides were going to wait to see uh, the numbers come in for George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, and that came in. And it's going to be hard to do this deal because the Eagles are going to, first of all, they're going to look to lower Ertz's cap number because the Eagles, as you, as we all know, have a major cap challenge in, in 2021. It's the first time in Howie Rosen's career they actually have something that's a real challenge. It's never easy, but you can't restructure everybody's contract. They're going to have some tough decisions to make, but they're going to want to lower Ertz's cap number move some cap, some excess cap to next year. They, they have about $18 million in cap space right now. Um, but they also, because Zach is getting up there, you know, he does turn 30 later this year, I think, uh, they're going to want to figure out how they get out of it after a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're talking about now from, from a, a, a practical standpoint, Jeff was alluding to this. If, you're gonna, if, you're go- if you made this decision to be 12 persons, two tight ends for the future, the guy's got to be on the roster because – there's something to be said about getting open all the time. This guy is, if he's not the NFL's best route runner or tight end, he's clearly top three. The guy just gets open repeatedly. Yeah. And we know about the confidence the quarterback has in him. They, they want to get this done. Zach wants to get it done, but he wants to get something that's done fairly. And uh, they were not close, I'm told, this past weekend. Uh, they, again, I think the inquiry was the first to report it last weekend. Um, Jeff and I know what's going on. It, it, Mm-hmm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a unique situation here because this is so challenging. Je- Jeff and I talked about on our show before we move on here. Uh, when we start, first started talking about this, I don't know, Jeff, three or four weeks ago, what we said was, when is the last time that two tight ends were paid? Big money. And Jeff pointed out, and he was right, Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. And Gronk's deal, by the way, which was the top in NFL history at tight end, $10 million a year back in 2012 he signed a contract for. So that's how long it took for these tight end numbers to jump finally eight years later. Wow. Now, by the way, uh, real quick, you asked the question before about the difference between 
you know, insiders, reporters, and vice versa. And Adam just absolutely laid out the difference without even knowing. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a, a, an example why. Adam just basically said, you know, yeah, there have been talks. They're, they're really not progressing that much, right? There's just been talks. But a lot of writers locally have piggybacked off the report from the Inquirer that talks have reengaged and have used terms like heating up or getting in there and it's making you think now. that just because they're talking that something is imminent or close, yeah. which nobody ever stops and think, well, are they talking? Did the talks not go well? Are they not as, are they further apart than where they were a month or two ago? All we know is that all well, some people know is that they've had discussions. It's funny to see how certain people take that and then say, Oh, heating up this and that. Well, that's the difference between actually knowing what's going on and just aggregating what's going on. And it could, by the way, it could change tomorrow. Um, Always. Yeah, that, that's the thing I've learned. You know, it's funny. The Namdi Aswa situation from 2011, mm. I remember doing some reporting on it. And next thing, the Eagles were not, the Eagles were monitoring for several months, but were never there because they thought the money was too rich. And then the Jets, the Jets were the leading candidate. The Eagles found a way to make it happen. They got the number that they were looking for, but Asimov got the contract he wanted, Jeff, as you know. The last contract they did that had that had no offset language was Namdi Aswan's contract, which is amazing. Hmm. But you never know. I, I didn't think it was going to get done. I'll be the first to admit it. And I was, it was, uh, I was on the fanatic. That was the the uh, the night when Hunter Pence uh, was he traded from Houston to Philly. I can't. I, I know he. I know he became yeah. a Philly that day. Yeah. It was an incredible day, and I was on the radio for ninety-seven five, the fanatic. And when Jay Glazer broke that story, I was dumbfounded. I was like, "Wow, this thing!" Because two days before that, the Eagles were not getting Osmond. So oh, and that was the same year as the lockout, right? That was the lockout. Yes, year coming that, out, right. Yeah. And by the way, it was hugging up. It was crazy. The draft was before free agency. Right, right. when the lockout ended, we had free agency. Then, then, then the preseason. Right. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, I remember. Well, I was. I, it's funny you say that because like the Osmond one was I can remember. I was in the Outer Banks. It's the, I don't know why I can remember where I was when Osmond signed, but I can't remember. Like you know, I wish I could remember when he finally left because that was a waste of time. <laughs> he's, an, he's an actor now. He's actually an actor. Yeah. I'm broad, oh, like good it. for good for him. I th- I would argue he was acting his last. Oh yeah, with the Eagles. You, uh, you beat me to the point. I was gonna say he was acting like a good cornerback for a few years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's. So to def- there's a couple guys out there defensive end wise that are either looking to be traded or get signed. Do you guys have any idea what you think is gonna happen with Clowney and Ngakwe in the next few days? Because we're what 19 days away from kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah. On Ngakwe, the Eagles do like him, but um, they they just what I'd heard. And I put it out there on our show several times. They just were not, we're not going to go there. I do think, though, had we not had the pandemic, not only would he be signed, we would have been traded months ago. I mean, I, I believe the Eagles might have been involved. But because of what happened and their cap challenges, cash is never an issue. It's not going to be an issue for this football team normally because the owner's a billionaire. But there's some challenges this year. The teams are not making as much money. And then you flip to next year, the cap might be as low as $175 million. We don't know where right. it's going to be. Um, and then the Eagles have some choices. They have some decisions to make, some tough ones, which, we'll, which we could touch on. But the fact of the matter is it's a little bit challenging. Clowney, I, I've said from day one, uh, he would either go back to Seattle or Tennessee. The Titans won him badly, but they have a number in mind. And Seattle would not pay him what they originally offered him in March. So Clowney – Jeff, why don't you just take a one-year deal for as much as you can get with upside and just be done with it? That would be a sensible thing that they could do. 
but it all depends on what Jadavion Clowney is willing to take. I mean, you could build incentives, but I have a feeling he's just kind of waiting. First of all, nobody loves training camp, right? So if he's missing training camp, <laughs> he's not worried about it. He's been a guy who's been banged up a lot anyway. So I think he's just waiting for somebody to lose a defensive end in camp, which always ha- – I mean, people – teams have already lost players. Yep. Grant Delpit just went down for the Browns yeah. uh, with an Achilles injury. And uh, a couple other players – McCoy been- went down, obviously playing – yeah, so it wouldn't shock me if Clowney was signed, I want to say in about a week and a half from now, right, right when they start preparing for the season opener. So, so then so, with Ngakwe, where do you, what do you think he would actually net in a trade right now? Like, what do you think the starting point? Because I think there was a report out there that the Jets offered like a third or something like that. And uh, I was like, that did, was ridiculously they, yeah, low. They, look, here's the thing. They haven't they, – they, Joe Douglas, the GM, does not make the calls. The, the Jaguars were, have been calling around. Uh, my understanding is the Jaguars want more than a second-round pick. Uh, the, the problem that you have is, and the challenge is, you can't extend his contract because we're past July 15th. Understood. And you're not really – you know, he he's on the tag now, and you would have to use a tag on him next year if you can't get it done by by late February, early March before – got to do it by one the, – the, the, the tag deadline is usually late February. So it's a little bit challenging. And then whoever gets him, if, if – if, uh, if he's traded, they have to know that they don't, they don't want to use a tag on anyone else. So that, that's the challenge of this thing. Got you. And his tag, that tag number is 100% guaranteed all against your cap on this right. year, correct? So, right. Yeah, as yep. soon as um, – yeah, first of all, to facilitate a trade, he has to sign the tender. So basically, if he doesn't want to go to a team, even if the Jags find a team, you could say, I'm not going there, and he doesn't get traded. <laughs> wow. So he kind of has all the power right now. He does have a lot, yeah. He does, but um, the Jags don't have to do anything. They held his rights, so because they tagged him, uh, he's 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 his tags are just over seventeen million. So, and if he decides not to play, it's the same situation as essentially Le'Veon Bell, where he just gets fined not to play. Well, no, he doesn't because he hasn't signed it. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, right, so because right, he didn't I, sign the tag. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually week ten if he wants to get a year of service, he needs to report by. Right. But uh, I haven't. I don't know if the in the new CBA the rules have changed, Jeff, but. Um, I just never saw Jeff. I don't know about you, but I never saw the Eagles getting on Clowney. I just, it would have to be a deal that they couldn't pass up because the, the, the thing that Jeff and I knew, and we, we put this out months ago, particularly myself, is that they were done with these injured guys. They, they took too many risks over the years, other than Deshaun, obviously, and Jeffrey. The one, the mantra inside their personal department was stop bringing in injured players. And for the most part, they've done a good job of that this offseason. Um, so obviously we're in the middle of training camp. Do you guys have any favorite uh, training camp stories, Adam? I know you used to travel all the way around for for ESPN and whatnot. Oh, oh, Jeff, Jeff has got some. Jeff being oh, oh oh I know, Jeff Jeff, trust me on this one, <laughs> Jeff, because Jeff, as a as a beat reporter, there's certain things that happen at Eagles training camp that defy description. Yeah, like the um, multiple tornadoes that used to almost sweep through the Lehigh Valley. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> maybe, your best, or maybe your best best two, whatever you got, Jeff that there was one at the time that blogging started to become really um, into, you know, what people did or not blogging, but just getting stuff up on the internet really quickly. The Eagles set up like a trailer right by the football field. It used to be that practice before the internet, I sound really old that practice. There were two days and first practice was over. You go eat lunch. You know, you would go transcribe your quotes. You would have all afternoon to kind of craft a nice story, you know, maybe get a quote after the second practice to round it out. But now it's after the internet and then Twitter and everything was like, okay, 
first practice just ended, you got to get at least 20, you know, 200 words up on something that might have happened interesting in practice, right? So once that started to happen, because it took so long to get from the field to the dormitories, they decided they would just set up a trailer for the media right by the football field. Hmm. And one day we're in the trailer, everybody's kind of writing their, their stories. And I just remember the, the sky went from blue to just dead black in about 10 seconds. And the trailer started to rock back and forth. It felt like, uh, you know, like Dorothy and Toto in, uh, <laughs> in uh, Oh, in, man. Uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Wizard wow. of Oz. Thank you. It really wow. did feel like we were all going to die. Uh, that day Jeez. I still have a picture of how I think you could you almost saw you saw a funnel cloud forming in the sky and you got to think now it's the opposite now there's nowhere to go like yeah. <laughs> to get to your car the the the, uh, the parking lot was a good like 300 yards away nobody's running 300 yards away from a tornado and making it in time and I just you know it, the storm passed and it was crazy but I really thought that I, I might die um, you know, covering the Eagles. Doing what you love. I'm doing yeah, what you exactly. love. Dying what you're doing what you love. That's Dying in a trailer with Nick Fierro. What a, what's a wonderful way to go out. <laughs> the Niners have a media trailer. Uh, I don't know. Well, they don't have it anymore. They used to before they built the new stadium. And, yeah, the, the old media trailer at Lehigh, man. God, how long ago was that, Jeff? God, uh, I remember it. Probably like 2010, 2011. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. No internet, right? No, well, the first year, no, and then because okay. everybody still had the little wireless cards that you would yeah, stick yeah, yeah. inside Flash. your laptop, and yeah. then you would Flash. pray Flash. that you can get the signal, and you know you got like the, the the hamsters running around the wheel inside <laughs> that thing, and so Adam, I got I got two questions, sure. oh, two questions about ESPN. So, okay. do you miss the cafeteria? I do. Well, they they redid it. <laughs> yeah, they actually redid it. Um. Yeah, they after my first year there, they they redid it. Yeah, I do. The food's great there. That's what I hear. That's the leg. It's a legendary status of, of of Bristol. And second, did you ever watch Mel Kiper eat a pumpkin pie? No, but Mel's funny. He doesn't fly, oh, and he's, he's a, a by the way, he's a great dude. I I I didn't know him. We got to know each other a little bit. He's the nicest guy in the world, and I still cannot understand a guy who's older than I am how he does not take a leak during the draft. I don't get that. Yeah, that, that's what happened. Yeah. If you're over he's 50, not a human. it's like literally impossible. Yeah, if you can't. he's not human. It, it, it's crazy. He's a, he's a really good man. And uh, the hair, by the way, I could I could confirm the hair does not move. It's Israel? It is. It's unbelievable. Is right. that guy still using moose, though? No, it's, it's, it's got to be a spray off. or something. Yeah. <sighs> Might be Soul Glow. Oh, you guys are too young for that reference. <laughs> I, we, I remember we, that. We I know a little bit about Soul Glow. <laughs> um, I never really used product. <laughs> I'm all natural. And then, um, Jeff, I got a final question for you. I know you're on a gambling yeah, podcast. All right. <laughs> I did listeners. a long time ago. All right. Favorite bet for the season. Could be a prop, could be an over-under, could be a future Super Bowl 55 champion. Can I just take a minute to brag on a recent win? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally lucky. All right. When the U.S. Open started, I put – I'm not a huge gambler. I, I like to bet, but I don't put a lot of money down. Yeah. I put $10 on, on two different golfers. One of them was uh, – uh, Brooks Kepka. Okay. The other at plus thirty three hundred was Colin Morikawa. Okay. okay. Ten dollars on a plus thirty three. I'm sorry. Yeah, plus three. I won three hundred dollars just for betting ten on Morikawa before the tournament. That's a good ROI. Yeah, that's a good way. That's good. That's a good night at the bar right there. That is a very good ROI. That's correct. So and did you lose your mind when he chipped that in? <laughs> uh, I that was probably you have to, like put a hole in the wall. 
next to Mrs. Morikawa and maybe his girlfriend who was there, I was probably like the third happiest person in the world that he did that. And you only won $300. Who knows what the purse he took away from that one. So, Oh, my God. I mean, seriously. That. Seriously. So you're asking me for a good futures bet here for the NFL? Hey, or Over under, uh, yeah. Google 55 champion, MVP, whatever you want to do, prop. That's a good question, man. I'm trying to think of a good futures bet for NFL MVP this year. I don't think it's going to be Lamar again. Nobody wins it two straight years. I think it's going to be somebody different. I, I might. Carson. He's going to, he wants to say Carson Wentz. You can tell he wants to. Mm-hmm. No, not Carson. I, although that's not a bad one because he's probably got pretty good odds. I'm not going to say Brady. I know, you know, like I could see Kamara. Alvin Kamara. Okay. Because I think Not the Saints are going to be really good. He was injured last year, so he had a down year. So his number is probably pretty good, I bet, right now. But that's a guy I could see just having like an 1,800 total yards and 15 touchdowns, and they win the division, win a couple of games, and, and he would be MVP. Okay, here's a futures bet for you. Do we get through 17-game season? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Okay. Because, you know, Adam and I talk about this a lot. The NFL is hell-bent on having a season and getting that TV money. And if it means that they have to put a football team out there that's got third stringers at every position, they'll do it because they can. Do we get through a nine-game, ten-game college football season? Huh. Do we have a a, a one-game college? I mean, I don't know. I'm a Penn State guy. (laughs) Am I going to even have a season? (laughs) Oh, geez. Uh, Actually, I feel like it would be irresponsible not to ask this. How has it been covering teams – with really not in person to person access. Like how's it been doing it through zoom? Like we're doing, I mean, obviously if we're all sitting at a table, it's a lot easier to talk to each other. Has it been a lot more difficult doing the reporting this way than the in-person old style way you guys were doing it last year? Jeff and I text and call. So it, it doesn't, okay. it doesn't really matter whether I go to practice or not. I'd like to at training camp because I like to see, like if I'm talking to a team, like I remember, I'll give you an example in 2017, I think it was. So I was talking to someone in the Seahawks front office. They were telling about Chris Carson, their seventh round pick from Oklahoma State. And they were saying like, look, he's really undervalued. Didn't have a lot of production, but he fits our run game really well. Really well. There's a guy you want to keep an eye on when you go to training camp. So had I not, first of all, talked to that guy in the, with the Seahawks and then saw it with my own eyes, I would never have really known about Chris Carson. I, I, had I not gone to training camp in 2017, I probably I would have followed up, but I never would have had any idea of how talented this kid is. So that's what I'm missing this summer is not finding out about these players. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, you take the front office or coach's word for it, yeah. but I get such a, like DJ Chark last summer, the Jaguars, mm-hmm. when I was there and I talked to uh, D Filippo, who was their OC when I was there and he raved about the kid. And I talked to Chark after practice for about 20 minutes. I was like, this kid's going to have a breakout season. I, I felt the same way about Allen Robinson when I was at Jaguars, Jaguars camp at 15. But I'll tell you what, um, again, if, I, if you don't go, you don't know. That's the thing. Do you ever use these inside tips for your fantasy football teams? Yeah. Well, I, I do, but they don't <laughs> – no, but here's the thing. It's, it's really not done because of fantasy. I just happen to – look, you could have told me about a defensive player. If you're my source, that's the guy I'm going to look for in training camp. just so happened I brought up Chris Carson mm-hmm. and, you know, and now Chark. But Jeff, Jeff knows um, – like Jeff, Jeff, Jeff and I are really good at when we're, it has nothing to do with fantasy, but when we're talking to the, you know, people with the Eagles, we'll go, we like to find out who the sleepers are. And every once in a while we get lucky and these guys blow it up. Uh, but you never know because sometimes you were talking about reporting. I think sometimes Jeff, you could attest mm-hmm. to this 
teams are sometimes more more excited about the player than maybe some other teams, which we found out in, in, certainly in recent years. Of course. Um, and by the way, you can tell Adam doesn't have kids because anybody who has kids doesn't say DJ Chark. They say DJ Chark. Do, 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 yeah. DJ Chark. Do, 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 do. Mm. Anyway. What is that? Yeah, what is that? Baby Shark. Don't know the Baby, baby Shark song. I don't have no. kids and I know what Baby Shark is. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what my is. God. Look that up on Spotify. One thing I want to add to what Adam was saying and, and your question, because it's really interesting. And I think what makes Inside the Birds maybe the most unique team-specific podcast probably in the country is that Adam and I are not beat reporters. I used to be a beat reporter. I don't pretend to be there every single day the way Jeff McLean, Les Bowen, Tim McManus are, and much respect to them. They do a great job. They're unbelievable. Uh, I had want, After I left Comcast Sportsnet, um, I wanted to get back to being a beat reporter, and a couple of jobs here and there opened, and you know, who knows what people are looking for anymore. I always thought that here I am. I've worked at Comcast Sports, and I was their Eagles insider for three years. I was on TV. I've broken big stories. People know who I am. And yet, you know, everybody wants to go younger or have a kid out of college and just write stories and aggregate, right? That, the market was changing. And here's Adam, who works at ESPN, is an NFL insider, has more information than pretty much almost anyone. He's up there with Glazer and Schefter, right? And he gets laid off when they, when they do their whole big um, layoffs. And so Adam and I are available in the Philadelphia market, which is one yep. of the biggest football markets, you know, and, and I'm not, we're not bitter. I'm just saying it's surprising that we were free agents. Anybody could have hired us, right, to do what we do best. And nobody had for, you know, for various reasons. That's fine. So we get together, we do this podcast, and we're not there every single day. And that's what's unique. A lot of the, the podcasts for teams are from reporters who are there every day. Yeah. And even what we're showing is through our hard work, through our networking and not giving up. And I don't recommend this for everybody. I think, you know, I, I enjoyed being a beat reporter and I think you get a wealth of knowledge coming up that way. You don't have to be, but, but we're able to turn out a really quality product at inside the birds that has become, in my opinion, you know, one of the best Eagles podcast you can listen to. And now we've got a website, a YouTube page, we're growing, you know, we are a, an authority on Eagles coverage and yet we're not down there at Monday through Friday. He could be at, you know, we could go there once in a while, but we're not beat reporters. Yeah. And that's really difficult to do, to not have that. You have to work and work and work behind the scenes to get your information when you're not there making FaceTime with everybody every day. So I, I don't even know if there's another podcast that covers team where you don't have a reporter who's there all the time. So but that, I wouldn't but, recommend it. You got to be in a, it's a, it's a unique situation where you have a guy like Adam and, and even myself, although I don't compare myself to Adam. He's, he's one of the best there is that are out there as free agents. And people are like, yeah, you know what? We're going to just go hire a kid to aggregate. It, it never made sense to me, but you know what? It wound up being the best thing. Cause we put inside the birds together and we're flourishing and we enjoy our, our listeners and our viewers and we've got great feedback and we're excited. Yeah. The kid, just to add one, one small thing there. What Jeff said it, you know, it's the way Jeff said it was, it made me think, think about something. In this pandemic, we, Jeff and I, become more important because our information is different from anyone's out there. We don't just, we don't just put scoops out. We're giving you what the team thinks, mm -hmm. what other teams think. Nobody's doing this. This is, when I came up with this concept show, I was praying that it would work. The first year was difficult. Yeah. Because we're trying to, you, you guys doing your podcast. 
finding what your voice is. You might know it, but until you get there, you don't feel like you ever get there. And I was so frustrated the first year. It had nothing to do with Jeff or Bill Osborne, my friend who, uh, who, uh, who, who was with us the first year. When, you, when you're trying a new um, business, as, as it were, you don't really know where you're going. I, I had this concept, but I didn't know where, if we could ever get there. Cause we were the first year when you start something new, you're just trying to figure it out and your timing. And yeah. man, once we figured it out, I said, this is the show. Like, like George Costanza said on Seinfeld and we're not changing it. And that's, that was, that was really the inspiration is, is what is to, to give people stuff they couldn't get anywhere else. Two really fast questions. And I'll ask them at the same time. Who wins the NFC East this year? And who is a breakout player on the Eagles roster that you think is poised to have a good year? Well, I think we have, we, you know, we've talked a lot on the podcast about Miles Sanders. We think he's, he's primed to be, you know, the top running back and uh, a real three down back like you, you used to see in the past. So I expect him to have a, a really good year as long as he stays healthy. And I like to have fun. You know, I, I did a little pre, uh, you know, division prediction about a month ago. And I said the Cowboys and Eagles would both finish 10 and 6, but the Cowboys would win on a tiebreaker because nobody has won the division back back to 2003 and 2004, which was the Eagles. So mm-hmm. figure might as well keep that trend up. It's a smart pick. What do you, Adam? Um, sleeper on the Eagles. Well, breakout player. Uh, Sanders is the obvious one. Uh, You're high on Rager, from what I've read. I, I am. Well, the, the problem is, to sh- if Jeffrey comes back in the first month, which is what I've put out there for about six weeks, we'll see. He hasn't practiced yet, so it's it's no given. But if he does, that's going to cut into Rager's numbers. I still think he's got a very good shot to lead the Eagle receivers and receptions, but that's not saying a lot. I don't know. I don't know that any of them get over sixty. So, to be honest with you, they're going to spread the wealth because you know the tight ends are going to dominate. As long as Ertz and Goddard are on the team, they're going to be 12 personnel. I would say that um, other than Sanders, defensively, the one guy that I – well, see, Hargrave is hurt. The, the, the guy that I think is going to surprise some people is Will Parks. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think he's – I think – well, obviously, he's Philly Will. He's from Philly. From what I'm told, he's been terrific, and they have a specific way they're going to use him. Um, they, they're going to go with a lot of three safeties. They're going to use him. They're going to play what's called big nickel, which is three safeties. Mm-hmm. You're going to, the fans are going to love this. I, we, Jeff and I put out on our show a couple months ago that you're going to see some distinct differences in Schwartz's play calling as a, def, as a defensive coordinator, because he finally has a secondary and he has a number one corner. So you guys are going to enjoy this defense this season. I'll give you my breakout player just because I love to fall in love with uh, late round uh, wide receiver right. picks. John Hightower. John Hightower. He's, yeah. He's going to be my very guy. Very good camp, by the way. Very good camp, I'm told. That's what I've read. I, you know, I was wrong on my last, my last wide receiver love in Josh Huff, but I feel like I'm due. Oh. So, John Hightower, he's my guy this year. Okay. Yeah. Well, he can run. He, he, he can run. He needs to put some weight on, but I'll tell you what. You'll never have to talk about this team being slow at, at the receiver position again. They, they made sure that was never going to happen again. My God. Well, thank you guys so much, um, Adam, Jeff. Uh, go it. follow, go listen to if you're not already uh, Inside the Birds. Thank you so much. The Winter Boys podcast was created and hosted by Gary Lay and Kyle Pagan with contributions from Jason Green, executive producer John Barchard, and our theme song is Telescope by the Pine Bears. <laughs>